Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer, and surprise, surprise, I'm here with Patty Marbury today. What's going on, Patty? Hi. Um, we are lucky to not be alone in Car Collab One today. We've got with us Angela Knobloch, who is the Senior Associate at Organizational Excellence here at UVA. And um, to those of you outside of the organization, you may be thinking, what, what does that mean? <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but tellingly, I can tell you that Angela is Lean Six Sigma Black Belt and that she's a Certified Change Management Professional, which kind of gives you a hint at what we might be talking about today. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Angela. Hey, I'm super excited to be here with you ladies. So tell me a little bit, um, when I say that you work with organizational excellence and folks know that you're into process improvement and change management, what does that mean you do to a, in layperson terms? Mm-hmm. So I often work with different units, departments, um, with uh, identifying opportunities to improve their processes. And in one respect, there's the tools around looking at efficiencies and sort of the, the, maybe what you would consider more the the tactical pieces of things. Mm -hmm. Change management is the lens at looking at the people involved doing those processes and, and, and looking at that. And you really can't separate any of it. Right. So the question as to what I do is kind of whatever's needed. So <laughs> what there's a, there's a little do? bit of, it depends on the process. And Absolutely. it depends on what change might be needed. It depends mm-hmm. on where the person is. But I think it's mostly facilitating dialogue and offering the right kind of tools, whether it's a tool for the process or a tool to have the right dialogue with the right folks at the right time. I think it's a lot of assessing and then giving the tools and facilitating all of those conversations. That's kind of it in one big uh, picture. And it is truly more of an art than a science. I can believe it. And if you have listened to the podcast for very long at all, you know that we've talked a lot about change. We've talked a lot about continuous improvement. We've had our own uh, UVA Finance continuous improvement folks on here to talk uh, before, and certainly we'll have them again. And I think given our conversation before we hit record today, we'll definitely have Angela back (laughs) to talk about a variety of things. But um, the, the idea of change has run heavily through the course Mm -hmm. of Finance Matters. And um, Angela has been here, did you say seven months? Seven months, uh, brand new to University of Virginia and to the Commonwealth. Wow. Uh, Left the University of Notre Dame, where Mm -hmm. I was there for 16 years in a variety of different roles, but most recently in the Office of Continuous Improvement, Mm -hmm. uh, where I was part of leading the Continuous Improvement Initiative across the university. And I can say campus there, so <laughs> across the campus. Is, the, is that really hard for you? Because <laughs> it was hard for me. <laughs> well, and now I'm jumping back and forth depending who I'm talking with and, yeah. and colleagues at other institutions. Um, 
and at the University of Notre Dame, and I'll get a little bit more into the story as we go along, but I'll just say that the primary uh, focus of the office was Lean Six Sigma Toolkit. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was specifically launched in that way. Mm-hmm. I was not... Um, a part of the department when it initially launched, but within 18 months, two years, came in to help continue to Were you already a Six Sigma black belt at that point? I was a green belt at that point and was hired in and went on to earn my black belt certification uh, as part of uh, the role. Typically, a black belt in Lean Six Sigma is really someone who does it full-time and serves as a coach full-time. Okay. And so it's, it's just a little bit different lens, and it means I had to pass one other additional test, which I don't recommend for anyone unless you need it. So <laughs> In my mind, like it means that you're yeah. maybe sort of like a secret ninja. <laughs> and for those in the audience who yes. are not super familiar yes. with Lean Six Sigma, we will, in the show notes, link to some... Uh, information to kind of give you a sense of what we're talking about, although I think we'll probably get into it here in the discussion. I will say the disappointment in my teenage son that I was not a martial arts black belt (laughs) to this day, and actually very few people know this, that uh, my my kids, my grown kids, have given me martial arts lessons because they would like to see me as a new empty nester actually go earn a martial arts black belt Uh so they can call me double black belt that's (laughs) hilarious it's just a different kind of badassery (laughs) all right so um Angela had come to a few of our continuous improvement meetings here at UVA Finance and of course um, uh, we work a lot with organizational excellence and as we got to know more about her background as she describes uh, we thought it would be fun to have you come and talk about the change initiatives that you saw take place and were a part of at Notre Dame because you have made a career out of this <laughs> and we are all that very I mean we've talked about this so many times before that we all are experiencing change in various ways we're all trying to improve things in our home life and our work life and we're all in these same places and it's great to hear another perspective of someone who's trained in working through these things and who has that human side of Mm. having done it and gone through it. Well, what's so interesting, the entire uh, journey is really about the human. In many ways, it's not even about the specific process steps. Mm -hmm. It really is about the humans doing the process steps. It's really easy to change a process. Yeah. (laughs) We do it on paper all the time, right? right. If Uh, nobody has to then do it. <laughs> right. Well, and so let me give a little, just a little bit of background at Notre Dame and, and their sort of launch of this um, department. And that was really, uh, it was kind of post-recession, uh, 2008, 2009. And the reason I think, I, you know, this is important to understand, especially from a UVA perspective is, Notre Dame is very much like UVA in the sense of we're tradition, we have these great students, why do we have to change? Why do we Mm -hmm. need to do anything different? We're already doing things great. We're Notre Dame. Look at this. We're UVA. (laughs) So um, the idea that we would actually have an office committed to making improvements, Mm -hmm. um, that alone was a complete and total mindset across the university. Yeah. What do you mean? So it, 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 was, it was almost like they were insulted that <laughs> you would imply that. It, it, insulted <laughs> was sort of, that's a nice way of saying it. 
Um, and in <laughs> fact, what what um, because that was such an overwhelming reaction to sort of the the launch of it from the chief operating um, officer's um, office. Well, the uh, the initial look into it had to do with efficiency. Mm-hmm. It had to do with how can we do better and not keep increasing our budgets. Mm-hmm. We could not keep increasing our tuition. An endowment was down. Yeah. And so there was that initial financial, like, okay, we need to operate better. And I'm just mm-hmm. curious. Yeah. You said it was post-recession. So yeah. I wondered if that that had an exacerbation of all that uh, wariness from right. your audience, yeah, like, oh, you're here to increase yep. efficiency. Right. What, do you, like, what, do you what does that mean to the people? And yeah. It, and absolutely right. the sort of, oh, are you just trying to get rid of jobs? Right. Yeah. That's are you yes. just trying to cut costs? Right. What is right. that? Oh, and, and that was so huge in the beginning. And so I will say that our COO did an excellent job as a champion mm-hmm. for the university, making the commitment. You know, no one would lose jobs. It's merely a way to give you a tool to look at how you do things, let you make help make your own improvements. And so the the journey of the the life of the department, I'll just kind of break it into a couple little areas, was sort of the the launch and it was a pull. It was let anyone in the leadership that wanted to learn these concepts and wanted to begin to apply them sort of come to us. Mm-hmm. So there was no, we're going to come in there, come into your office and tell you what you might need to mm-hmm. look at. So there was this whole time around building champions mm-hmm. and beginning to see some early results. Mm-hmm. And after a few years of that, and remember this was campus-wide at Notre Dame, I mean it took a while to sort of, because it was kind of project by project mm-hmm. is how it was approached. There was this time where the floodgates kind of opened up maybe into year three or four of the operation where you be, could, people could begin to see that, oh, wow, that really did make life a little better. You had some wins to point to yes. that were good. Yeah. Yes. One of my favorite stories about that was doing some Lean Six Sigma training, and we, we would do it for the leaders, um, leaders of projects. Uh, but then we would also invite the team involved doing the work for kind of an overview and, and to come in. And I'll never forget sitting in the back of the room where these two gentlemen, they came in, they put their heads down on their desks and did not want to engage and have any kind of conversation and were convinced their jobs were going to disappear. And that became a journey mm-hmm. of investing time with them and teaching the project leader how to truly engage with these with these folks but it was all about going to the place they were doing the work and seeing the real pain yeah and when you think about continuous improvement you know some folks really have this perception that it is all about efficiency and we're going to tell you how to do things better and we've got these tools one of the core tenets of continuous improvement is the people doing the work are the ones making the improvements, who are the ones that have the stories, are the ones that know it. Mm -hmm. They're the experts, right? They're the experts. And Lean Six Sigma is not about just the tools, Mm -hmm. it's about the people. There's a lot, I think, maybe maybe especially in academia or maybe anywhere you go, but academia I think about because memories are long, people's tenures and their jobs are long, they remember a lot of change. And they remember the last big thing that was supposed to fix all of the woes. 
And there is a tendency, I think, anywhere you go, even in your personal life, but especially, I think, in academia, to, to take a, the appearance of a change and say, well, what are you saying about the uh-huh. way we've been doing it? That mm-hmm. it's been all wrong? Yeah, that people and, are kind yeah. of insulted by yes. that. And but, you can understand that. I mean, I put it down in my own life and think mm-hmm. about when my husband tries to teach me to load the dishwasher better. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> and I admit, okay, he has some points, but my way is fine too. <laughs> Nobody likes to be told that you're doing it wrong, but that's right. not what continuous improvement is. It's not. It's about the folks doing the work who know the pain. And in fact, we would most often find that they're the ones who also had made the suggestions that no one listened to no, in the yeah, first yeah, place right. to yeah. make it better. Yeah. So we actually, I think this, what's so significant about these two gentlemen that I'm thinking of, it was in our custodial services environment. Mm-hmm. And um, they were custodial staff. So there was also this culture of what I, what I do and how I contribute doesn't matter. That was sort of the perception they had of what mm-hmm. folks thought of them. I'll just say that after a journey with them, and yes, I ran a buffer. I just want to say. Are there pictures? There, <laughs> there might be, but we have to be better friends. <laughs> um, but it, again, it's aligning with what they know right. and their experiences and raising up. And at that point, we realized you don't have to be a certain level in the organization to go through the training to lead a project. Right. Right. Anyone can have the mindset and learn a tool or an approach. We completely changed our approach after three or four years, and it was good to get leadership support, and, and they could be champions. Right. But those two gentlemen became the first, what I, what I would consider the hourly, non-managerial staff to lead projects, Neat. become certified, What? and at the end of the day, come in and be a guest speaker for part of it. That's wow. super cool. That's a great story. And, and, you know, I'd like to say it happened overnight. That isn't how no. humans are. No. But as you invest in truly being genuinely interested in the work that they do and what they know and engaging them in the discovery process, they already have right. the answers. Mm-hmm. They really, really do. They need the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think at Notre Dame, I began to just sense this, like, this is everyone's job. Right. It's not the leadership job. It's not the Office of Continuous Improvement job. It's about being able to make changes right where you are based on your knowledge and empowerment or begin to have those dialogues where mm-hmm. you need to have them kind of cross-functionally. Um, I would say at that point we also became a victim of our success uh, because we could not keep up. Wow. And uh, with the demand for uh, coming in and facilitating these dialogues. Mm -hmm. So we began to train and raise up, sort of train the trainers, not so Mm -hmm. much for the content of various tools, but for basically coaching roles. Right. To work with, you know, if there was a desire with someone on the front in staff at the at, um, there was a full-time laundry facility at the university for students that they could use many people don't know that at, about Notre Dame Dang. they do have to pay for it but there was a day they didn't have to way back when I'd that's pay all for I'm saying <laughs> uh, but 
where we would be able to uh, assign them sort of a mentor and a coach. So again, I think you know the approach that Notre Dame took was initially this, yes, we need to make efficiencies, that is kind of what we need to look at, but it was really what we discovered was about freeing up empowerment and time for people to really make the difference they needed to have in their workplace. Mm -hmm. Most of our stories are about that. And I get all excited. If, you, if listeners could have this were a visual yeah. medium, yeah. they would, yeah, I'm, I'm gesturing madly. I'm milking the giant cow over yeah. here flailing. But <laughs> it's so fun to think about, like when you, when you do get over that fear and you get what it means to not have to just suffer through the same things that have always caused you problems mm -hmm. and to have to be a part of solving that and then to have your own valuable time and energy freed up like you said yes. to make things better in other ways yeah. I mean it feels like that's what we're supposed to do as humans <laughs> so it feels right and fulfilling yeah. and my idealistic personality type responds to that mm -hmm. but I think about some of the little, even the little projects that I've gotten to talk about here in finance about changing the way that we do things in terms of, you know, paper versus digital, digital, and mm -hmm. how even people who've been far along in their careers mm -hmm. doing things one way realize that, oh, hey, this is a great new way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Now I can do something entirely different with all this wonderful experience and knowledge yeah. that I have. Yeah more free time. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. To think about yeah. doing different things mm -hmm. and changing other things to make mm -hmm. them nicer for the people who work here and the people we work with. Yeah. You know, one of the approaches um, we took in sort of our uh, training and, and facilitation was to really ask folks kind of initial level setting with them. What's changed since you took this role? Most of them have been in roles for 18 years, right? So what's changed around you? What are the challenges? That's an interesting question. And then bring that up to a point of, wow, are you still doing the same processes and, and things in the same way that you were 18 years ago? Mm -hmm. Huh. But everything around them has changed. So it's more about what, what, what occurred then and the way it was, the mm -hmm. way that you were doing it, time and place it was the best mm -hmm. opportunity and the best thing now oh my goodness now you have all these new opportunities because things around you have changed right mm -hmm. so it's it's also about kind of getting folks to think about it's not that I have to change so much it's that everything around me the expectations um, compliance issues right. uh, whatever it might be technology right mm -hmm. so there's opportunity in that and it's not that what I was doing you know 18 years ago is no you know now now it's bad right it was perfect then yes yeah. and it's kind of getting folks to th and, and it depersonalizes it mm -hmm. a little bit so when I think about managing change it's more about helping folks identify the changes that have happened around them anyway and where might they plug into that opportunity and so that was a, a kind of an, a lens that we saw have some impact mm -hmm. with folks so you've talked about things that you got to see like the two gentlemen in yeah. facilities i'm putting our names on that's it. okay yeah <laughs> but Close enough. yeah but that that they bought into yeah. the process and really got engaged and helped to make solutions and right. all that good stuff were there things, other things that surprised you? I mean, you had a, you had a very strong 
set of training behind you and a lot of confidence that what you are leading people through works but were there still things that either for good or for a bad surprised you in terms of like oh wow (laughs) I I just think that human it's fun to think about how human nature and change work together and it's good to talk about it so that all of us who are constantly engaged Mm -hmm. in change know that we're not alone Mm -hmm. right yeah well, uh, kind of a, a surprise was, and on, on a really positive side, was um, a woman who'd gone through the, the certification, the lean certification, and um, was really quite a shy gal, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. she was kind of quiet, and and um, so I was surprised when she invited me to their team meeting for their project that they were working on in their office, and um, we were going to do a fishbone analysis, the five whys, what's, let's get to the root cause of what's going on. I thought, well, that's great. If you need me to help at all, I'll help, and, or I'll just sit there, you know, and be supportive. And I show up, and the woman had completely blown my mind. She had put up fish, pictures of fish, all around the room. She had gotten little fish candies. She had given everyone sort of the, the template and, and, and put, gave them special names of fish. And, and I mean, she, it would have almost been like, oh my gosh, except that the entire team saw the passion this woman had for this particular just using this tool and this issue and it was like witnessing just something right like I'm not sure that would work with every team right but to watch the shy team member Mm -hmm. not the manager a team member take the lead on this to try a new tool and make it a theme and make it fun Mm -hmm. to this I mean even when I she came to my going away party it was like I still have my fish. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> and they had, they kept the pictures of those fish up for years. That's cute. Because they yes. identified a root cause. But but the point being, when people have fun with it mm-hmm. and take something that really could be kind of tedious and understand the group that they're working with, right? That was fabulous. so a huge surprise to watch someone just get so excited. About so it. let's talk about that line between fun and tedium because yes. Patty and I. Um, we were, and in fact, you were there too. We were in a training last week, yeah. and there we were in liberating structures training. Mm-hmm. We may end up talking about that a little bit, mm-hmm. but the, the the what we were being asked to do as a group was so different mm-hmm. that you could see some discomfort um, with different folks. And there was a large, large audience. You could right. see dis- discomfort with people who were like, "Oh, is this?" Is the, the cynicism, is this a gimmicky thing? What are we doing? It's right. kind of like when you go into a meeting and they're going to do an icebreaker or you're going to have to do something that puts you out of your comfort zone and right. you think, oh, this is just one of those things. Touchy-feely. Yeah. Touchy-feely. Right, right. Or when you talk about the tools, Soft. I think some of those, yes. like the fact that you're using something that is a tool or has like a whole school of thought behind it or... Right is part of jargon that people have always heard but never really been a part of. Mm. Do you run into some cynicism with that, thinking, oh, this is just the flavor of the month type thing? Absolutely. And I think in higher ed especially, Mm -hmm. um, it's really important. I found at Notre Dame, and I'm even finding it here at UVA, with especially in the academic areas, 
the word customer can mm-hmm. be a challenge. Oh, yeah. People don't connect with that. It feels too corporate. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, even a lot of the business terms that come out of Lean Six Sigma, I like to think and focus a little more on this is about changing mindset and the way you view and approach problems. And there's a lot of different ways that you can do it, mm-hmm. but it's about taking a fresh look at kind of the pain points and, and problems that, that you're experiencing in, in the work environment. And I, I try to stay really low key on tools because that's all they are. Right. And I do think it's very easy to intimidate people with um, all sorts of different Lean Six Sigma tools or right. any tools, frankly, when really it comes down to a few basic questions. Yeah. And I think that's the part that I've enjoyed so much about my, my role both at Notre Dame and here. It's about having the dialogue around the questions. Mm-hmm. What's working? What's not working? Why might that be? How about the people that are impacted by this? What do they say? You don't know? Let's go find out. Mm-hmm. So it's really more of a mindset around this continuous improvement journey doesn't say that what we're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's saying how can we do even and it's better? giving everybody the tools to do something about it. As you said, many of the people who are doing the yeah. work have realized for a while that there is a problem. They've tried to do something about it, but they haven't had any or little, maybe little yeah. to no success. Well, and often they don't even know where, where to start. Exactly. Or this what resources are available to them to to make changes or get help or they don't know how they yeah. don't know how right. they don't know how to start and I, I think about our lean fluency uh-huh. class you know that's a way we have a mm-hmm. it's sort of like an intro to basic terminology mm-hmm. and concepts mm-hmm. of lean and that's a great way to make that kind of thought accessible and so that you'd feel less like you're being kept out of some club right <laughs> because it's not yes. intended to be that way it's just right. a shorthand well that jargon yeah people off sometimes because yeah. they don't understand it or they have this cynical view about it yeah so we also, early on at Notre Dame, when we were launching Lean Six Sigma and Green Belt training and some of those things, uh, you know, there was this balance with wanting to provide some rigor and certification mm-hmm. and distinction for those who were willing to step right. up and do it. And like to kind of carry it th- forward. Exactly. Yeah. And yet, that can also exclude other folks. Right. So what we found on that journey was how important some of the certification and, and, and sort of the prestigious part of, yes, you've earned something it, it, and make that part of professional development, but not to the exclusion of the two gentlemen, you know, at mm-hmm. custodial services who frankly had a greater impact than some of those <laughs> certified green belts at, at, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's part of the story. So we're talking culture. Mm-hmm. Yes. We are talking at its root, and I don't care if you do it through Lean Six Sigma or leadership development or whatever lens that you're looking at. It's about influencing attitudes and behaviors so that everyone's kind of aligned in mm-hmm. the same in the same way. And you know, people talk a lot about what's in it for me for the mm-hmm. whole change thing, and I really I'd like to change that to what's in it for us. We're in this together, and that's the unique challenge I think that higher education has today. In historical, with higher educations, you know, like the Notre Dame environment and here at Virginia, 
tradition. Mm -hmm. And a department had its own history and its own distinction and can operate in its own way, right? Mm -hmm. And wasn't reliant on the department across grounds or across the university. (laughs) In other words, silos develop in higher education because, you know, that particular school or unit is, they're focused on what they're supposed to be doing and they could operate in that way. The higher education landscape is completely changing between electronics, um, empowering people to have more voice and be Mm -hmm. a part of the the dialogue and the landscape of the university. So much collaboration. And that is a culture change, Mm -hmm. especially in a higher academic environment where you also have folks that might have a very longer tenure, have been a part of the environment for a long time. I think it's a unique landscape to be take, bringing in continuous improvement principles. It comes with its own baggage in, it, yes. in a way. We were talking a little bit before we hit record about um, the Brene Brown special on Netflix. We have all watched it. We watched it last night. We didn't We, we didn't, didn't all, know it. Yeah, we did not watch it together. We just were talking about it, and um, it would have been more fun if we had all been together. <laughs> Bring out the popcorn. But anyway, um, we, she was talking about vulnerability, and at some point she talked about, uh, it, it could have even been academic, that she said academic armor. Yes. You know, yes. in any way that you are a specialist or that you have built up a reputation or you have years of doing this and being successful, it's hard to drop that or open that up and say, uh, let's look at a new way of doing it and we're mm-hmm. going to work together. And if you're collaborating in an area then that you're not so familiar with or with tools that you're not so familiar with, that's hard. Mm-hmm. I think it's an especial hard thing in academia. Well, and think about how, uh, well, and we're even trained in this way maybe growing up in classrooms at any given point know the an- you know to, yeah. to know the answer you're tested on the answer right. uh, to not know the answer might make you look a certain way in front of your peers and yet that's really the core of continuous improvement is being willing to ask the questions that might mean you don't have the answer mm-hmm. or admitting that your answer isn't the right one or the best one or the right. only one and Again, there's that working with folks change, Mm -hmm. changing the perspective of being willing to ask those questions. Just did a workshop yesterday for an academic um, unit, and it was on the use of effective questions to build collaboration. So it's, yes, it can be fearful to ask these questions and maybe not look like you know everything, and yet what you get the value and maybe having a toolkit for how to ask the questions Mm -hmm. and what kind of questions would would yield best results. Mm -hmm. So again, I think it's taking these micro opportunities to give folks a way of, oh, well maybe if I just use questions differently. Right. That's it. We don't have to make it too complicated. Mm -hmm. So continuous improvement is a journey from the, whoops, something's wrong, can I just fix it here and now, to the much more complicated, cross-functional, huge impact all across the university, and everything in between. And continuous improvement is a set of 
skills and tools that helps you just sort of maneuver through all of those things. And I could talk another five hours about this. I'm well, and, and I was, I'm sitting here like raptly staring at you with like precious moments figuring eyes because I think you, you wrapped it up well for us here today. We've talked about so much and we're coming up on our usual kind of podcast length time. But there have been probably about 15 different things that we've talked about today that I think let's talk more about that sometime. Um, But this is a great introduction or reintroduction into some of the concepts that we've covered time and time again. And um, we would love to have you back. Um, Don't feel like you have to say yes, like for the whole audience, but I mean... You know, they'll miss you if you don't come. <laughs> you know, if I can just blackmail you a little bit on air. <laughs> she doesn't have to blackmail me in any way, shape, or form. I, I, I'm, I'm passionate about, can we just make things? And maybe I'm a little idealistic myself, yeah. Brandy. You mentioned that earlier. Let's just make it better. Yeah. Better for the people we're serving. Better for each other. Who wants to come to work? And be miserable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 99.9% of the people don't. No, you don't want to be miserable. They you don't. don't want to have no agency. You want to be able to change things. It is human nature. Yeah. All right. Angela, thank you for joining us today for Finance Matters. You can read more about what finance is up to on the UVA Finance blog at uvafinance.blogspot.com. And I will also link uh, organizational excellence content in our show notes today because, there's, as Angela mentioned, they do a lot of cool things and have a lot of resources out there that you might want to check out, whether you're at UVA or not. If you have an idea for something else you'd like to hear about or something from even today's session sparked your interest, please do let us know. You can email me. You can email Patty. You can email Angela. I'll put her contact information in the show notes. Or you can always tweet us at UVA underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters.